Putting, 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 kings, kings, kings online, online, online. Putting Kings Online, a podcast exploring the process of designing online learning courses from the team which creates them. I'm your host, Rachel Wall, and in each episode of Putting Kings Online, I'll be talking to my colleagues about their roles here at King's College London within the online and professional executive education team. We'll be delving into the processes of creating online courses, from ideation to delivery, inclusive design, accessibility, and where we stand in the wider online learning community. Joining me today in this episode is a deep dive into the role of the e-learning assistants. And joining me in this recording is Ali and Bobby. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Cool. Okie dokie. So if we can start by just sort of diving into what the ELA role is in a nutshell. What is an e-learning assistant? What do you guys do? How does that fit into the wider Kings Online slash OPE remit? Well, um, for me, uh, being an ELA, my job basically for me is like reading a magazine uh, written by experts in the field, maybe of science international affairs, uh, marketing, cybersecurity, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I would say that every day is very different and exciting. What do you think, Bobby? Yeah, I agree. We're exposed to interesting content every day, which ordinarily you wouldn't get access to. Um, So it's fascinating to see the current academic content being produced by the uni. As an ELA, we really do get to learn so much, um, granted that Some of the content is very complex and not in our personal past academic areas, but it's still exciting that we get to view it. Um, We often refer to ourselves as the eyes of the student because we almost act as the first student to view the content. Just if that student was highly particular and familiar with the online learning design procedures we follow at King's Online. Yeah, I think that's um, a really good point to make about the fact that you are almost the first student port of contact because... I mean, when I started at King's Online, I started as an e-learning assistant as well. So I do have like a little sense of what you guys kind of do on a day-to-day basis. Although I kind of feel like since we have boosted what we're doing in terms of the design system and the complexity of the work we do, I think it's really taken this role to the next level. So what sort of general responsibilities do you guys do when you say that you're the eyes of the student? What does that actually mean in terms of um, what sort of systems you're using and like how that role fits into the other roles within the wider team. So we check for a whole host of things really um, from issues as such as grammar and spelling, which is small, I guess, if you think that stuff isn't important, but to us, it's really important um, to more specialized elements such as upholding consistency in UX design, transcripts, and just overall making sure the end product is of the highest possible standards. Yeah, I totally agree with what Bobby says. We check all of this and we also have a look at the general yeah, layout, make sure it looks the way it's supposed to look so that any, nothing is confusing or maybe repeated. So we really, really play as a, you know, as the learner, as the final consumer, let's say, of the course of the product. And we kind of 
assess in a way. Do we like it? Uh, is it functional? Is it uh, easy to understand? Is it uh, user-friendly? So yeah, I really play that part as I was, you know, the student really studying that course and want to be, you know, fully engaged in this course to get the most out of it. Yeah, so you're like really wearing a lot of hats, really. You're having to check content, but from so many different viewpoints. And I think, Ali, what you said earlier is really interesting about the fact that you kind of likened it to this notion of reading a magazine and kind of having that sort of like final bird's eye view over what the student is going to see at the end. A lot of the LA responsibilities are really similar to that of, let's say, a copy editor in other industries. And I just wondered what makes this role different in higher education and, and the types of skills you would need to do something like that in higher education and an online learning environment. This was not a really easy question for me because I, I've never worked as a you know, copy editor in any you know, publishing company or in other fields. So uh, I had a thought and I think it, the difference might be uh, maybe in the way we do our checks uh, and also in the way the content is presented online because uh, the instructional designer organize the content in, um, in more digestible, shorter parts. And that is because I think of two reasons. One is because the learner attention uh, span on screen is generally shorter. And also because, you know, the type of learner we usually create a content for, which are usually professional, uh, who study around their main activities. So they might have a little moments here and there spread in the week to look at the content and they need to get the most out of it. So uh, for this reason, the way the challenge I think the learning assistant is facing is to review and check uh, separate parts of the content in different moments. And why we do so, we though need to keep in mind that um, we need to do our checks in the general context of the course. Yeah, I think it's really important that we have an, an idea of the entire process of learning a course from start to finish. Perhaps in editorial work, you would usually work on one article as an individual piece of content, but we have to be aware of almost an entire journey of learning, which the student's going to be doing. Um, we need to make sure that the course in its entirety is being translated through our platform. This really requires knowledge and interaction with all areas of our department, as it isn't just based on one piece of text we're copy editing, but as mentioned, it involves functionality and the UX design system, etc. Um, content specific though, I do think it's, we're still in a rare position where we work so closely with academic content without actually being a faculty member. Um, that's not to say that we change the content that the academics provide us with and the instructional designers inform the content more than we do, but we're still there to highlight if anything they have intended to say hasn't translated well or if any general mistakes are there. This can be as simple as suggestions and changes to grammar to things which are subject specific or issues with content which may not be accessibility friendly. Um, so our, our role really does deal with a whole scope of elements and that diversity makes it super interesting. And it's, it's kind of almost like product development more than it is copy editing sometimes. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. The, the idea that you're kind of not changing content but sort of like making small suggestions because I think the ELA role really is a unique role in that you do get to see everything from sort of start to finish the the really earlier like raw form of that content to 
looking at it on Keats in the design system once it's sort of like up and ready to go, ready for students to look at. In terms of kind of being able to look at that content and offer sort of like feedback um, and suggestions, what does that look like on different programs? You know, how much um, interaction do you have with academics and the rest of the instructional design team when it comes to sort of like making those suggestions and how important do you think that is from a student perspective? Well, I guess it depends on, on the topics, on the discipline, because there are some disciplines that are more, let's say, understandable to me than others. There are some that are incredibly difficult, so I cannot suggest as much I would like to. But I think from my point of view, I'll try to flag anything that I think might be, in my opinion, improved or clarified or expressed maybe in a different way that might help the student to understand better a concept. Because I, I kind of play the part also of the a little bit of the dummy person. So I, I try always to flag when something can be ambiguous because I'm the type of person that if something can be done in the right or wrong way, <laughs> for some reason, I pick the wrong way all the time. So I, I really appreciate when the instructions are really clear, uh, when I don't have to think, oh, shall I click this button or this other? Uh, oh, which one should I do before? So, yeah, so I try to flag anything uh, that uh, I think can help and obviously are always only suggestions. So it's not that I'm going to change the content myself because there might be a meaning that maybe I'm not understanding behind the way the sentence has been expressed, uh, phrased, or the concept I've been explained. So also because we see parts of the content separately. I don't, I might not know now if maybe this concept that has not been explained in detail might be actually explained much more later on. And maybe the academic decided just to uh, give a, you know, uh, a quick look just to introduce the student to that concept. Bobby, would you agree or would you have any other thoughts about how you might approach something slightly differently? I think I agree. Um, yeah, we, I think there's two things going on really. It's that we've got a really great knowledgeable team at Kings Online, um, putting their best into the online learning platform, um, trying to get the best out of that for students. And then we've got faculty members who obviously their concern is with the actual content itself. So I think the ELA is really at the point of where those two things converge and with all best intentions from everyone involved, um, sometimes things can be missed or certain functionality might not work. So it's really important for the student that I think that without sounding like I think that the ELA is too important, I would say that is one of the areas where our work has the most impact um, because it's a collaborative effort from everyone on the team. But I think that we allow their superb work to shine through even more because it would be the worst thing would be if they did all of this amazing work for the student and then it was kind of overshadowed by an ill-functioning platform, spelling mistakes, inaccessibility, etc. Um, it also means that the amazing designs and processes that our team develops for learning can actually reach the student and it doesn't get lost in production. So yeah, we're, there, we're essentially we're there to ensure that the overall student experience is just as our team intended it. I really like that you mentioned collaboration there because I think, I mean, it's definitely a theme 
running throughout pretty much every episode, um, every topic, every one of our roles. I think everyone is very much got this idea of collaboration at the forefront of how we work, not only, you know, just within Kings Online or within OPE, but with, you know, the faculties, as you mentioned as well. And I think the LA should get enough credit, actually, because (laughs) I feel like you guys do so much behind the scenes. And it's, it's those little things that make a huge difference to the student. You know, it's not being able to work the system or a page not functioning or a sentence that has loads of spelling and grammatical errors is a lot more noticeable than an overall product that just works correctly. We, you know, we're so used to functional design. We notice more when things go wrong rather than having a huge appreciation for when things go right. So I think it's a huge testament to how well you guys do your jobs in that sense. Switching pace a little bit, just wondering if we could talk a little bit about the skills that somebody would need in this type of role. Like, I don't know whether you both have previous examples from previous roles that you've done that you think really help you in the day-to-day of this type of role here. Yeah, in my previous role, I was part of a really small learning tech team um, at another higher education institution, which is obviously we're quite a massive team at Kings Online, I think. Um, so yeah, it was quite a change of pace, but having that exposure to learning design um, with those fab past colleagues they, who really, really did wear more than one hat from learning tech to instructional design to UX, kind of a team of four were just doing all of this. So I really feel that that helped me gain the knowledge to see a whole product and the contributing elements of production that also goes into Kings Online. It gave me really valuable knowledge and exposure to how to convert university degrees to online platforms and how the approach varies between MOOCs, undergrad, postgrad, etc. Yeah, for me, it was, um, I think it's a combination of two different jobs that I had in the past. So the first one was like, I was a quality manager uh, in a small uh, manufacturing company. I think there I really learned uh, what it means uh, quality checks and the importance of those, especially at the beginning of the production process, because obviously if you can pick any issue at the beginning, you will not end up having faulty products at the end. So there I think really uh, stress with me the importance of that. On the other side, I also learn, I think, um, the importance of being able to deal with two sides, because I think um, working in quality gives you two perspectives and you also need to help in both sides. So you are either you try to look at things with the final customer eye, so you play the, the client role, but at the same time, you also need to remember that you're part of the team that is creating the product. So you need also to understand your, your team members and the reason why they made certain choices and try somehow, you know, to convey them to the final client. In that case, when I was working as a, in the production, a small manufacturing company. Uh, so that gave me that understanding of both sides and understanding that in my role, I need to take care and help both sides to, to find a middle ground where both will be happy with the result. And a second job that I think helped me a bit uh, for this one was 
I work as a aftercare assistant in a small um, visual effects academy, and I was helping students to create their own portfolio and CVs. So I meet with many of them, and we talk a lot, a lot about all the issues they might have, all the concerns they might have. And I also learn that sometimes they, you know, they focus on things that I would not have paid much attention to. And I try to understand why they do so. Uh, so, yeah, I think that kind of helped me, shape me a bit. Those two experiences shaped me in the kind of e-learning assistant I am today. But uh, in terms of, you know, skills, um, I'd say that for sure, uh, attention to details is a very important skill in this job. Is is not? I know it usually it's called you know soft skills, but I think in this case it's a really hard skill because you really need to pick up things very easily, naturally. I think another skill can be obviously have a high level in written English, spelling, grammar, and punctuation. And I think being comfortable in using uh, different tools. We use many tools in <laughs> Kings Online, and I think it's also fun because of that. So apart from, you know, usual Google spreadsheets, but also we use project managing tools such as Trello, Kaltura for videos, Frame.io sometimes, and um, also a little bit, I guess, a little bit of HTML coding. Not much, but just a little bit so that you can tweak things when they don't look good. We always joke that being an ELA is more than just enacting a job role and that it's rather like a mindset. Um, because we we may all be undertaking tasks of the job, but the ELAs all have a really similar analytical, details-focused personality, which goes far beyond just skim reading um, text. I think that's what makes the job so perfect for us, because day to day we get stuck into the course material and the learning platform, and we do copious amounts of reading and analyse the learning design of the team's production. To a lot of people that could probably sound a tad lonely or even boring, because we really do focus on the small stuff and we have debates over tiny things. Um, you wouldn't even think a student would notice what we deliberate, but it's how we ensure the quality of the product is upheld and that the higher level decisions made in our team is carried out throughout production. Oh, I like that. I like that it's sort of like a mindset. And I think that's really true. I mean, Every role has their own little quirks and um, ways of approaching the work that they do. But actually, the ELA role does wear a lot of different hats, as we've talked about previously. But also, you're looking at so many aspects of production and content from so many different perspectives that, yeah, it does sort of become ingrained in a way that's very much a way of just approaching things in general as a mindset rather than a general skill set, I guess. Yeah, it also goes out into our own real lives as well. Like we're all really similar <laughs> in how we approach things in real life. It's quite funny, oh we're like a, a little group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we we spot the same things. We think in the same way about lots of things. Sometimes it's really surprising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I noticed ages ago when our sort of team collectively did those series of personality tests, you know, the kind of introvert, extrovert tests. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was looking at the spreadsheet at the current ELA team and the people in the team who had started off as ELAs um, and had progressed onto different roles within the team. And I noticed that a lot of us who started off as ELAs or are current ELAs have really similar personality types. And I think it is a testament to the fact that we do, you know, whether 
it's past or present, we do think in similar ways. And it is such a specific type of role that takes a very specific type of person to do. Yeah. yeah and that, yeah. that Kings Online are really good at spotting a good ELA to hire. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I'm really, you know, I can't believe it. But yes, they get it right all the times, all the times. Yeah. Okay. So with that in mind, if we were hiring for a new ELA, what sort of advice would you give to someone who was thinking of applying for this type of role or advice you would give to someone who is new to the role, brand new in the team? Bobby, you want to go or shall I go? I don't mind. Who wants to go <laughs> first? <laughs> so, um, well, I think the role is, uh, well, it's definitely much more fun than it looks on paper because it's really varied. So I think if you are the type of person that spots immediately a spell of mistake on a page or, uh, you know, while reading uh, a paragraph on a magazine or on a book, you, you thought, oh, well, this could have maybe been explained differently to allow a better understanding. Or um, if you're reading uh, a lot and you're curious about many things, then I think this job is definitely for you. Yeah, I think you will like it. And um, if you are new to this role, I think you will be probably overwhelmed, uh, overwhelmed uh, at the beginning because we have many tools uh, we use and many things to keep track on. And so it might be a little bit yeah, difficult at the beginning, but eventually it will be fine. Everything will make sense. And after all, everyone in the team is incredibly helpful and happy to help you anytime. So it would be fine. Yeah, I agree. You have to be really willing to work independently and be committed to the ethos of Kings Online as well, because we are the last step before it goes to students and we all do genuinely care about the product that we deliver to them. The role is almost never as straightforward as it seems on paper. Working with so many varied people in different areas requires a lot of adapting and you sometimes need to be firm in making sure that processes are followed with whoever, whether that's faculty or your team. But at other times, you also need to consider what factors could contribute to deviating from certain processes that usually are so strict. Um, so this means using a lot of judgment in specific situations which also means that you need to be willing to learn the knowledge of basic production in online learning to have at least a foundation to make those judgments. Um, and as mentioned, that covers all areas of specialization. Um, then for more specific or complicated scenarios, you'll need to be good at communication with all of your great colleagues who have all the in-depth knowledge um, to discuss through certain points. Cool. Okay. So the final part, which is my favorite part of these interviews now, is finding out the fun information that people have retained through looking at so much course content in so many different subject areas. Of all the projects that you both worked on, do you have any particular memorable bits of information or funny anecdotes that have just stuck with you through the years? So we read so much. So it's very... Uh difficult to retain much information, I have to say, but obviously there are maybe a few things that stuck in my mind because they were either a little bit, you know, scary, concerning or unusual. So recently I've been um, reading a lot about cybersecurity and uh, particularly about thousands of ways in which an external attacker can easily break into your network if they want to. 
and I, I think I realized my computer is not that protected and I got a little bit, oh, oh <laughs> this is not good. Another thing that got stuck in my mind was actually when I was reading about public health. So there was this story about a lady uh, nicknamed Typhoid Mary. So this was a, a, a real case, something that happened around 19th century. So there was this lady that was working as a cook and uh, she had unknowingly, it is believed, infected 53 people from um, different wealthy families she worked uh, for with typhoid fever. So uh, she, she would change job anytime the breakout of the disease had begun. So it was very difficult for the investigator on the case to ident identify her. And um, because she was actually a, an asymptomatic carrier of this disease, even the concept of healthy carriers was, uh, was unknown back then. So, and because she was healthy, she thought that she absolutely was fine and it was not her fault. So even though they tried to put her in quarantine several times, she somehow managed to escape and try to go back to work. So it was quite, a, I think for the time, it was quite an interesting uh, case. And, and I thought it was very interesting to think how things were handled 19th century, for example, compared to the way things are, are handled now. I love that. That's so scandalous, the fact that she just kept breaking free yeah. from quarantine. Yes, yes. It was, you know, because uh, the thing is, she was working as a cook for a very wealthy family, so it was a very well-paid job. So the investigator and the doctor told, told her, uh, you cannot continue with this job because the fact that you are handling food is actually the way you are transmitting the disease and killing people because she also killed three people, supposedly. I mean, it's not proved, but... Uh, and she was uh, then suggested to do other type of jobs. They were much less, you know, they were much less well paid. So she didn't want to do those. That's why she wanted to go back anytime, all the time to be a cook. She was actually moving around uh, the country to do so. Wow. That is scarily reminiscent of what's going on in the country today. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Bobby, did you want to share anything funny or weird or obscure? I'm not sure I can keep up with Typhoid Mary story, but um, <laughs> it's a tough act to follow. I think in general, like our our transcript bloopers is al always a funny thing. Um, the things that either machine or transcribers come up with in place of what our actual content is meant to say can be quite off the mark sometimes because obviously our content's not the easiest to understand. But um, yeah, that's why we're there, I guess, to go through and make sure that everything it. There are no rude words put into transcripts where an academic has spoken. Um, and in general, I just love how bits of information I pick up in this job randomly come up in conversation in general life a lot, even from subjects that I wouldn't think had gone into my brain and stayed there because, again, like cybersecurity is totally out of my realm. But um, yeah, I just remember thinking, oh, I've read, I've read that recently in my, in my course that I'm doing at work. And I just think it shows the quality of the faculty at King's really and its relevance to current discourse. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, the things that we, the things that I'm able to kind of tell people about a programme I'm working on is we should all form a mass collective pub quiz team, I think, and we'd absolutely wipe the floor with anyone, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. 
Awesome. Cool. Okie dokie. Well, thanks so much uh, for giving up some time to have a chat with me today. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to Putting Kings Online. Subscribe, rate and share us wherever you get your podcasts. Putting Kings Online is hosted, produced and edited by me, Rachel Wall, and is a production brought to you by the online and professional executive education team here at King's College London.